0: I was reading a story this week about a man who had two young daughters and he had uh, put them to bed like he did on most nights. And as young girls are wont to do, I remember doing this with my sister. They stayed up uh, laughing and giggling and and talking and not going to sleep. And after several warnings to them of them needing to go to sleep, he decided uh, that it was uh, time for him to go and check on them. And about that time, he heard a crash but not from their room, it was from his room. So I can imagine this uh, dad with all the oomph he can muster is you know headed down the hall to find out what happened. And as he's doing that, one of the little girls comes running towards him and throws himself in her arms and says, Daddy, I'm so sorry, but when I was climbing over the dresser to kiss your picture goodnight, I knocked over the lamp. And all of a sudden, her intentions tempered his angry response. We're so often so quick to judge one another's behavior or words, to react to another person, their words and their actions, without considering at all what their intentions might have been. We make assumptions about one another's attentions, and often we assign a negative uh, intent to them. And assumptions in and of themselves are often wrong. Most of us, I dare say, want to be given the benefit of the doubt. And yet somehow we, we fail to remember or be cognizant of the fact that others want the same from us. I know that this can be really hard for me. I just had a text earlier today from someone and I immediately jumped to negative intent until I remember that I was preaching tonight on looking for loving intentions and I paused to breathe and to respond differently. It's hard for us, I think, in this world of Such fast pace and high demand for interaction to be mindful of giving other people the benefit of the doubt, of looking for their loving intentions. I know it's hard for me. I wonder how it might be hard for you. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would open our our lips, I mean open my lips to, to declare your praise and open our ears to hear your word, our hearts to receive it that we might take hold of it and uh, allow it to transform us. And I do pray that the words of my lips and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We're in the fourth week of our series on the heart principles that Roy Trueblood put together as part of Partners in Ministry, designed to help specifically clergy and laity in the church build uh, more trusting relationships to work together for the kingdom of God. Uh, Hear and understand me. Even if you disagree, don't make me wrong. Please don't make me wrong. Acknowledge the greatness within me. Tonight, we're looking at remember to look for my loving intentions. True Blood, True Blood says these are the five unspoken requests that we all have of one another, that in any relationship we're in, we, we long for this to be how we interact with one another. Remember to look for my loving intentions. Most of us have good and loving intentions for what we say and what we do. Sometimes, though, good intentions don't necessarily produce good results. It's easy for us to criticize without first acknowledging or trying to acknowledge loving intentions. And I'd venture to say we all know what it's like to be criticized without any consideration for what our intentions are. And think about how that feels. Think about how it feels when when someone reacts to you or criticizes you and and has not taken into account at all where your heart is or what your intent was. I know for me it's easy to feel angry and hurt and frustrated. I feel misunderstood. I can feel dismissed. And when that happens, if someone's being critical of me in that way or making assumptions about my intent, I have a couple of choices. I can either uh, continue to take a stand and insist on being heard Or I can launch an attack back at at you uh, for criticizing me and not seeking to understand me or look for my loving intentions. Or I can just withdraw from the conversation or from the dynamic and and internalize that anger and resentment. But I guarantee you that the next time you interact with me, that's going to be right there too, right? We know what it's like to feel criticized without someone taking into account our loving intentions, or our heart in the matter. Now, to be sure, not all intentions are good and loving, but we have to be careful, especially careful, about attributing evil, unloving intentions to other people simply because we don't understand their behavior or because we've been hurt by their behavior or because they have a different opinion about something than we do. Just because of those circumstances does not mean that their intent is evil or bad. So we have to exercise caution in what we declare as evil intent. Living from the heart means we're looking for the loving intentions before jumping to conclusions. Being committed to looking for loving intentions doesn't mean that we are going to reach agreement on all the things about which we Disagree. Looking for loving intentions does not mean that we're going to reach agreement on all things because we're not going to. We are different from one another. We are created as unique individuals with gifts and graces and talents and personalities, and uh, we have our own lives that that we live. We're, We're created in that way, and we're also created to be part of the whole body. Part of all humankind, part of a larger picture than just our individual differences, even though we're created with those individual differences as well. I hope these verses are starting to feel familiar to you from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Speaking in in some ways to that sense of harmony that, that Paul was praying about, Different notes, different expressions of that music, but in harmony together. Bearing with one another, making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. We love that when people do that for us. (sighs) But when it's ours to do, sometimes we just get tired, right? It Maybe it may I'm not the only one who some days at the end of the day you just think, Lord, I, really, you want me to uh, bear with one another still? Like I've been bearing with one another all day. You still want me to continue doing that? Yes. The answer is yes. Right? This is hard for us. But I don't know that it's supposed to be easy. We're called to be different from the world around us. We're called to be different from the world in in which, in the world, it's every person for themselves. In the world, if you punch me, I get to punch you back. In the world, whoever has the most power is the one who wins. In the world, being right is often more important than being in right relationship. In the world, love is primarily grounded in how it benefits me and we're called to love differently. We're called to live differently. We're called to love as Jesus has commanded us. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus was the heart principles before there were heart principles. Jesus healed the sick and fed the hungry and ate with outcasts and sinners and sought out the least and the last and the lost and preached good news to the poor and freedom to the oppressed. Jesus built relationships with people in which the people felt like they were seen and heard and understood and loved. And when you get to that place where you feel like you are seen and heard and understood and loved, then you can hear the truth. But it's hard to hear the truth from anybody if you don't feel safe in that space, if you don't feel like you're seen or heard or understood or loved for who you are. Jesus speaks truth to all of these people that he encounters, but he does so after building relationship with them in which they know Jesus' intention and they feel that relationship of, being known and, and being heard and being seen. It's hard to know. It's hard to remember that. We, we want that for ourselves. We want to feel that way. And sometimes we forget that other people want to feel that way from us. Looking for loving intentions is one step in doing that. John Wesley uh, preached a sermon back in 1750 called the Catholic Spirit, the little c Catholic, which just means uh, the the global church, the the whole body, uh, more ecumenical spirit. Not it's not he's not talking about the Roman Catholic capital C church, but little c Catholic Spirit and how to stay in relationship with people with whom you disagree, specifically within the body of Christ. For sure John Wesley insisted on the essentials of faith as found uh, primarily in the creeds of the early church about what the church believes about who the church is. John Wesley believed that there were essential things that that needed to be in, in that foundational piece, but he also was understanding and seeing how Christians were arguing over things that weren't in that essential set of beliefs. In those essential Doctrines, And he believed that in the midst of that, Christians should learn how to demonstrate charity and tolerance for people who didn't share the same opinion. Even when we're grounded in the same essentials of faith, we don't always share the same life experience or the same opinion or the same thought. John Wesley was clear that there were certain things that we hold on to, and he was also clear about how we treat one another there's a sermon in, uh, in, this sermon, there's a scripture out of 2 Kings 10, 15, when the king of Israel, Jehu, is speaking with Jehonadab, and he says, if your heart is as my heart, if you love God and all humankind, I, oh, this is John Wesley, I ask no more, give me your hand, out of that text, out of that um, Old Testament story, right? We're not going to agree on everything, but if your heart is as my heart, if your heart is as... As true to me as mine is to you, if your heart is as mine, if you love God and all humankind, give me your hand. Let us be partners together in building the kingdom of God for the sake of the kingdom of God, for the sake of the love of God. John Wesley has a whole list of questions in that sermon about uh, what it might look like for our hearts To be the same and to agree. But even within the body of Christ, John Wesley understood we know that we're going to disagree. To have different opinions, different experiences, different perspectives. The question is, how do we live together in that? How can we partner with one another for the kingdom of God? Out of this sermon, John Wesley had a number of things. First, love me for who I am. In our relationship with one another, love me for who I am. Not the general kind of love when you say, yeah, I love everybody. No, love me more specifically than that, for who I am. Love me with a very kind affection, as a true friend who sticks closer than one's nearest kin. Love me as I am. Love me with a love that is patient and kind, with a love that is not irritable or resentful about my follies or infirmities. We're all part of humanity, all part of the fallenness of the human race. And yet we're put together in this time and this place to be the body of Christ. So first, love me for who I am. Second, commit me to God in all your prayers. Out of Ephesians 3, John Wesley writes, Wrestle with God on my behalf, asking him speedily to correct what he sees wrong in me and supply what is lacking in me. Pray that the love for God and all humankind will be poured into my heart in larger measure. So love me for who I am, but pray for me. Commit me to God's care and God's mercy and grace. Thirdly, awaken or provoke me to love and good deeds out of Hebrews 10. Help me amend my faults, strengthen my weaknesses, build me up in love, and make me more fit for the master's use. Love me for who I am. Commit me uh, to God's care. Pray for me that God's work might be done in me. Provoke me, encourage me to love and good deeds. And then forth, love me not only in word, but in deed and in truth. Don't just tell me that you love me. Don't just tell me that you love God and therefore you love me. Our actions have to reflect our words or our words are meaningless. Our actions have to reflect our words or our words are meaningless. Sometimes in relationship with one another, we we say one thing, even if our intentions are different than that. And we say one thing and then we turn around and act another way. That's not love. That may be the way the world loves, but that's not how Christ loves. If your heart, as is my heart, if you love God and all human kind, then I ask no more, give me your hand. We have to be grounded in love. Grounded in love. Somehow as the body of Christ, we have to figure out how to do this. And this love is the agape love. Agape love, which is that sacrificial love that is always seeking the other person's highest good. In the midst of arguments over who's right and who's wrong and are you on my side or not on my side, sometimes we forget that this agape love is really seeking the other person's highest good. It's a sacrificial way of loving. Somehow, as the church, we've got to figure out how to love one another with this agape love and also then allow that to be the lens through which we see and relate to one another. You know, at a time in our nation... And in our church where relationships are of utmost importance and they also are at breaking points, we're tearing each other apart. We're creating division. We're uh, putting others in camps. We're dividing up into us and and them. And have you ever noticed that whatever side we're on, that's the us, right? And and the other side is the them or, or, or the other We're taking sides. We're making enemies out of one another. Where, really, there are no enemies present, and and we're drawing lines uh, uh, about who's in and who's out, and who's right and who's wrong. And you know, what's interesting to me is playing all this out. As soon as we, as soon as we draw a a line about a difference of opinion, right, and. And some are on one side and, and some are on the other. It, it may be that for a time being you feel like you've divided into a space where the people that you're standing with actually, y'all all think alike. We all think alike. We all agree. Everything is so great. But do you know what happens eventually? There comes something else to think about. And all of a sudden, those of us who are like-minded on this side of the line we've drawn, we don't agree on a new thing. And in fact, ironically, on the new thing, we agree with people we just kicked out on the other side. It is, an, it is a never-ending, vicious cycle of somebody needing to be right and somebody needing to be wrong and somebody needing to be in power over someone else. And I have a hard time finding love (laughs) in the middle of any of it. We're in a time in which the lens with which we see one another is not love, but it is suspicion and fear and anger and mistrust. And we think that we are right and the other is wrong. Therefore, the other should change. Yet the way the love of God works is that it changes us first. Paul writes later in that chapter to the Ephesians, put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The only way that we can live out the first part of that, the only way that we can put away bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander and malice is by understanding that that we're called to love because we've been loved by God. We're called to forgive because we've been forgiven. It doesn't, it doesn't work otherwise. When, when we disagree with one another, we tend to think the other person needs to change. But the love of God doesn't work that way. The love of God works first to change us. So that we might be in right relationship with God and with one another. It's about us being so profoundly changed by God's love and mercy that we're willing to give our hands to one another even when we disagree. Working together for the kingdom of God, for the love of God. Does it mean we're going to agree about everything? No, no, no. We can't even, usually in churches, agree on whether we should have chairs or pews or carpet or no carpet or hymnals or no hymnals or slides or no slides. We're not going to agree on everything. But we can love one another. And we can love one another without insisting that someone else change. The love of God works to change us first. And then maybe things change in other ways. But we love because God loved us first. And that's how we're asked to love in that sacrificial kind of way. Not just because Jesus loved us, but as Jesus loved us. Giving himself up for us. In this sermon, John Wesley wrote, uh, continues to write about love. I want to read his words His words in modern English, so you're welcome. I didn't go back to all of his original uh, stuff. This will make sense. It will be easier to hear about love and how it is that we look for loving intentions. John Wesley says, Love endures even if I fail to act according to God's will as you see it. Love does not assume evil of me. Love lays aside jealousy and evil speculation. Love me with a love that covers all things and never divulges my faults or infirmities. Love believes all things, is always willing to think the best, and puts the highest construction on all my words and actions. Love hopes all things. Either that the evil, reported, the evil thing reported was never done, not done under the alleged circumstances, or at least that it was done with good intention or during the sudden stress of temptation. Love hopes to, end, to the end that whatever is wrong will, by God's grace, be corrected, and whatever is lacking will be supplied through the riches of his mercy in Christ Jesus. We're invited to look for one another's loving intentions. We're invited to look for the love of God in one another, even in our disagreement. So that we might extend our hand to one another. That verse out of the Gospel of John, did you you hear what the end of it says? Just as I've loved you, you should also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If we say we're following Jesus, no matter where we land on an opinion, if we say we're following Jesus, the only way that anyone's going to know that we're following Jesus is in how we love one another. Look for my loving intentions. Someone in your life needs you to look for their loving intentions. I wonder who that might be. And I wonder if you're willing, if you're willing, with all gentleness, with humility, to look for someone else's loving intentions before criticizing them for being wrong or for getting in your way or for disagreeing with you. We have a long way to go. The world needs us. Our nation needs us as followers of Christ to choose to be grounded in love and to let love be the lens through which we see one another. The work is hard, but it's ours because God loved us and supplies all our need in mercy and in grace so that we can, together, hand in hand, be part of building the kingdom of God. Let us pray. Loving God, forgive us when we jump to conclusions or make assumptions or react to one another in ways that miss the loving intentions. Show us what it means that you love us, that you have forgiven us, and that you ask us to love and forgive one another. Give us spirits of humility and gentleness and and willingness to choose love, knowing that you have loved us and that only by that love can we love one another. We see the broken world all around us. We see the miscommunication. We see the hurt. We see the anger. We see the lack of trust and suspicion. We see the division of us and and them. Lord, help us find that place where we are seeking to love you with all that we are and loving our neighbor as ourselves. And in that, allow us to be willing to reach out our hands to one another. For the good of your kingdom. For the good of your love at work in us and through us. We want our words and our actions to reflect that love with integrity. And with congruence in a way that the world comes to know your love through us. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.